I'd spent the past, gosh, almost 20 years working for various venture-backed startups in a variety of industries. For me, the excitement was always, you know, figuring out hard problems and, and thinking like a scientist and being lean. And, uh, you know, I had most recently been working in the VC platform space. Uh, so equity crowdfunding, alternative funds. I most recently was at a company that was offering capital to startups using AI. So I'd learned a little bit about AI. And I'd also looked at deals and, and helped fundraise for deals that were in the ag tech space. And the thing that I learned there was that it's really a, a workforce automation play that you know we can't produce the food that we need to survive without labor that's becoming increasingly uh, inaccessible. And so when I got a, a call from a recruiter about the BeWise team, uh, the idea of, of automating part of the beekeeping industry made tremendous sense. And, you know, it just so happened, you know, as, as things tend to do, there was a lot of synchronicity with other parts of my life. I had been on a nonprofit board bringing healthy, culturally sensitive food to low-income New Yorkers and, you know, working with, with farmers and farmers markets in New York. And I was thinking a lot about uh, the supply chain of our food. I'd also just purchased a small hobby farm and was thinking about growing cycles. And so this, this all seemed really aligned with my interests. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy the, the founding team as well. Yeah. I mean, BeWise is such an interesting organization. I think it's fascinating to like learn about, read about, then you see it and you're like, holy cow, this is, I mean, it's, it's super interesting. I encourage anybody to go look at the videos or check out the website, but do you want to just explain like, how do you talk about BeWise to somebody who's, uh, whether they're in the industry or not, like, how do you explain BeWise to people? Yeah, absolutely. There are some things about the way that our, our food is pollinated and the way that commercial beekeeping work that I certainly didn't know before joining the company. And, and I, I want to clarify. Uh, so more than 75% of, of the food that we eat uh, wouldn't be on our plates if it weren't for bees. So uh, colony collapse and, and colony loss of bees is uh, a fundamental threat to uh, our, our well-being as a species. Um, and then beyond that, uh, in terms of, of how our food gets pollinated, you know, I think we think about beekeepers and some sort of, you know, wild pasture or garden with bee boxes that are stationary. But actually, commercial beekeeping is, is extremely migratory. Beekeepers spend a tremendous amount of time driving around from site to site with hives, moving hives to and from pollination events that happen at different times of year throughout the growing cycle. Because, you know, bees, uh, after after they pollinate um, a fruit, you know, can become a pest. You don't want them there 24-7. So, so beekeepers are on the road constantly. And, you know, that means uh, a, a big, you know, transit footprint. And it also means that, you know, for a large commercial beekeeping operation, to adequately inspect and treat bees the way that you know you'd want to or the way that you would treat your your backyard hobby hive becomes really prohibitive um and you know i think there are a lot of things you know if you read about the, the threats facing bees um you know it, it is related to climate they're very sensitive to extreme weather conditions 
Um, and that's both just, you know, weakening their hives, but also, uh, you know, if there's uh, a change in, in the timing of a bloom or, you know, there's even a lot of monoculture, it can make bees very unhealthy. And, um, you know, then, then labor exacerbates that, the, the mite treatment that you would want to give them because varroa mites are really devastating bees all over the world. Uh, the, the care you'd give them becomes really difficult. Um, but you know, there are, there are really good best practices for taking care of bees and preventing colony loss that suddenly become feasible with remote inspection and remote treatment. Um, and that's where, uh, bee homes come in. Uh, and you know, in, in 2019, the company was founded by, uh, our co-founders or CEO, Sar Safra and Ellie Radziner, who's a beekeeper who just thought there's gotta be a better way to do this. You know, can we can we put a robotic arm and cameras with computer vision and machine learning into beehives so that we can see what's going on in real time and treat in real time without all the driving, without the labor, uh, the way that we'd want to. Um, you know, and and the good news is that uh, you know with with the bee home um, colony loss, something that's been getting up past. 30, 40% some years, something that never used to happen. It has everything to do with, with extreme weather and climate change and, and all sorts of other existential threats to bees like mites, pesticide, you name it, things that we're doing to our natural environment. Um, you know, we can keep those, those rates, uh, you know, below 10%. We can, we can cut them, you know, beyond in half. Um, so, you know, again, it was a no brainer for me to join the company and I'm really excited to tell this story to people. Uh, you know, we improve crop yields. We uh, are our primary customer commercial growers, um, but you know that we're also on a mission to save bees. Yeah, it, it strikes me as the timing of this is so necessary because you have climate which just continues to get more unpredictable as we see change, right? Which affects which affects bees, which you said are you know kind of delicate creatures and very sensitive to the changes. At the same time, you have technology changes. Or some of the things that you have in your product uh, would have been cost prohibitive not too long ago, right? Or maybe the technology wouldn't have been as sophisticated to do what it does. So it just feels like the timing is, to me, as an outsider, it feels like the timing is right for this. Do you want to just elaborate a little bit more about the differences between kind of traditional commercial beekeeping and then like what your product and technology can do? Because it, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I want to... I think definitely touch on a few things about, you know, challenges or, or perceptions or about cost of technology. Um, you know, I think when we, when we go to shows and we talk to, to growers and beekeepers, there's a sense of, oh, you know, the robotics and the hardware here must be so expensive. Um, it, it's really more about knowing what to do with the data and to, to understand how to take care of bees. Um, you know, the cost of, of uh, robotics have definitely come down and, you know, the kind of camera equipment you need to do computer vision is the kind of thing you and I have in our phones. Um, but, you know, I think being able to, to tell that story and to, to get beekeepers on board, um, you know, there've, there've been uh, a couple of important things that we've learned. Um, you know, first, I think we've changed our delivery model a little bit. You know, I think when we launched, we were interested in trying to sell bee homes to beekeepers um, you know, now we want to really experiment with, with some new delivery models where we lease bees, uh, from beekeepers, pay them upfront and give them, 
um, you know, the opportunity to actually have guaranteed income and take a lot of the uncertainty out. And, you know, by all means, we make money too, right? Our margins are much, much better because of the automation we're doing and our best practices. So we're able to, to you know, take bees to, to growers for pollination and, um, you know, basically have a, a service model with growers um, that, you know, benefits the whole industry and, and helps make commercial beekeeping something that, that can be sustainable for many, many years. Uh, and, you know, we, I think, always face skepticism in, in an industry, like, you know, on the grower side, if you go to a big conference, like the Almond Conference that just happened in Sacramento a few weeks ago, you know, you see uh, a lot of autonomous technology, you see uh, a lot of robotics, you see people who are very tech savvy, and they're using technology in every aspect of growing anything to improve their returns and, and, you know, weather conditions in a climate that's really challenging. Um, but, you know, and so they're very comfortable with the idea that there's robotics and there's AI enabling pollination. Uh, but on the beekeeper side, you know, there are evangelists who are, you know, great partners of ours who, who are excited about technology and they love their Tesla. And, you know, one beekeeper was telling me about how he grew up loving Buck Rogers and just, you know, dreamed of, of space and technology in the future. And, uh, this was a no-brainer for him and he couldn't wait to try it. But for other people, uh, you know, we we want to show them that this technology is something that we're doing in partnership with them. Um, you know, one thing I really love uh, about how we, you know, our, our co-founder, Ali Radzner, speaks to, to beekeepers as he explains what he learned starting a company around product development and uh, the product roadmap and talks about how conversations that we've had with customers and prospects and people it shows uh, have changed how we are uh, how we are delivering this technology. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be putting out um, a version of the Bee Home that fits on a conventional forklift so that it fits with uh, the equipment that beekeepers are already using. And it's easier to drop uh, in the middle of an orchard for pollination. We're going to be changing out the kinds of frames that we use to put inside of the, the devices uh, to ones that are, again, part of the beekeeper's regular workflow. Um, you know, we're constantly listening and learning and adapting and, you know, using lean methodology, which will be very familiar to this audience, uh, but is something new to, to be most beekeepers. And when they hear that, you know, it really resonates. Yeah. Whenever you're talking with people outside the industry, are there certain misconceptions that you run into uh, around either either the solution that you have or maybe just the problem as a whole that you're trying to solve? I think people know that they need to save bees. And I think that, that growers are very aware uh, of the importance of pollination to their, their yield outcomes. And I think a lot of beekeepers know that, that labor is a core issue. Um, but in terms of, you know, the ability to, to use technology to, you know, create efficiency here and, and just to, to have them be aware of, um, you know, the, the results that we're getting, um, you know, it's just about being out there and telling the story and talking about what we're doing. Um, and then, you know, I think also uh, people want to know when they can have a bee home in their hands. Uh, so, you know, it, it's always, it, these are good problems to have, but, you know, just being able to, to move fast enough, which is, you know, always, always the challenge. Yeah. Whenever, whenever you've been able to, uh, be part of like a demo and you're, and you're showing this to a potential, uh, customer, are there certain 
aspects of your product or technology that like are surprising to them or maybe hard for them to believe or like what is that initial reaction as they start to learn about it you know i think there are people who who think that they you know have a, a unique process or something they're doing that gives them an edge and i think in some cases maybe they do uh but you know we're really interested in showing them how this works at scale and does things that they just can't do uh, for thousands of, of hives. Um, and then, you know, the, the other thing that, you know, I, I think I didn't know that I want to clarify is, you know, bee box technology. If you look at a picture of, uh, you know, beekeepers from the turn of the last century, you know, they've got the suit, they've got the wooden box, they've got a, a smoke canister that they're pumping on the bees. Uh, all that is exactly what most beekeepers are using today. Nothing's changed. You know, the last innovation in beekeeping were smoker tech changes 150 years ago. Uh, and those wooden bee boxes were designed for honey production, um, you know, not optimized for pollination. Um, so, you know, the idea that that we're really addressing a need that you know, beekeepers customers have is something that I really want people to know also. Yeah. So since you've been with the organization, are there initiatives that you've been maybe more excited to help lead or maybe obstacles that you've overcome that you're like really proud looking back, like, wow, we've, we've kind of tackled that. Like what comes to mind uh, when you're thinking about those things? Um, so I joined at the end of September. Um, so I feel like I'm just getting started, but I always say that startup years are a bit like dog yeah. years. Like it feels like longer than it's actually been in terms of calendar months. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just to, to go out and meet growers and beekeepers and, and, you know, have that, that moment of that aha moment um, when, when we talk to them has been really uh, inspiring and it's helped me understand really how to tell the story about how we're, we're partnering with the, the whole industry. Um, and then, you know, I think it's also really gratifying to whether it's, it's journalists or investors or, just concerned citizens who are thinking about ESG or about the health of our planet more broadly, um, you know, to to tell uh, something about the the urgency and about the the scope of this problem because I think people people don't know. Um, you know, one story that I, I've been telling is, um, you know, I don't know if you remember a few months ago, uh, Hurricane Ian hit Florida. Um, you know, there's a lot of coverage about the damage and the destruction. Um, but it took it took a few months to come out. I think the New York Times covered it maybe just this past weekend uh, that, you know, over a fifth of all of the commercially kept bees in the United States were in the path of that hurricane. Uh, it's it's been devastating. I think we don't even know how devastating yet. Uh, and that is, is is directly related to climate change. And, you know, if if something else were threatening, you know, one fifth of something that's a major lever for the food supply. I mean, that would be, you know, red alert, major global crisis. Um, and, you know, I think that's the scope of what's happening with bees. Uh, and I want people to know that. And, you know, I'm really proud to say also that we've been able to start helping, you know, beekeepers in Florida. Um, you know, in particular, there's a beekeeper who, you know, we've been working with, uh, you know, his name's Luke Cantu, and he lost um, 1.6,000 hives out of 6,000, which is, you know, a, a decent, um, decent beekeeping operation. He also lost his total honey crop and the pepper tree bloom, bloom that he was counting on um, to be able to, 
to feed those bees uh, was completely knocked out by the hurricane, um, you know, and that's devastating. And rather than having to sell more bees from, you know, his operation to recover, um, you know, because of our business model, we were able to offer him cash up front for, for pollination and help him get moving, um, you know, and get his back on his feet. And I think, you know, that's what we want to do for the whole space and do for bees. That's what's fascinating to me is the ecosystem is so interconnected and all of these pieces matter so much. And, and one thing goes wrong to that degree, it could really have serious impacts down the road. And a lot of times the general public has no awareness of this. Like we just don't know how all of this stuff fits together. But uh, for me, it's really fascinating. And I think for our team as well, just to learn about these solutions and who's putting energy into trying to progress it forward and and what can we do that isn't a hundred years old method, you know, to improve, improve how we do this. So, I mean, how do you look at it? What, what do you see as, I mean, so far it's still in some ways early days for you with BeWise, but like, what do you see as has been the most rewarding aspect of it so far? You know, I think for me, it's, it's being mission driven. You know, there are recruiters coming to me who are interested in my AI background and, you know, what, what I've been doing at my last company around AI. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, we've got this AI solution to help us frack better. I was like, you know, I wouldn't describe it as better. And I don't think that this is the job for me. Uh, you know, I feel really good working for a mission-driven company and, you know, being able to, to tell this story. And I, I think that a big uh, challenge is storytelling. I think we think a lot about performance marketing as marketers and, you know, when you speak to VCs, it's like always like an LTV to CAC kind of conversation. But, um, you know, one thing I really enjoy about our, our CEO, Sar Safra, is he's he really appreciates storytelling and, and wants me to, to put energy there. And I completely agree because you're saying and people don't know, you know, that's that's 100% right, Justin. I mean, I think a term that I've been using a lot lately to talk about the communications problem that I have or challenge opportunity, whatever you want to say, say opportunity, um, is, is VUCA, right? So like volatility, uncertainty, chaos, and ambiguity. Uh, and like there are these like complex multifactorial models impacting the health of bees, you know, something like mites, uh, you know, I think because of globalization and other factors, like, you know, now they're they're getting all over the world in places there didn't used to be those kinds of bee pests that, you know, can decimate the immune system and the health of a bee. Um, there's these extreme weather events, uh, you know, it can make it too cold for bees that can knock out their food sources. There's bad agricultural practices where, where you know, in the previous generations, um, agriculture was built around machines. And so we're going to have monoculture where there's one type of crop and, you know, for thousands of miles. And, uh, you know, there's a very specific way that the, the tractor needs to enter the field. So we're not going to put in ground cover. And, you know, that's like, imagine if you were right, nothing but Cheetos for months, that would be very unhealthy. Um, you know, then there's, uh, you know, economic pressure on, on the labor market. And, and, you know, it has these, these multiplier effects that, you know, sometimes are quite negative on, on bees and on our biodiversity. Yeah, it's so true. It's, it's really nice. I think when you're going to put in the effort that, you know, people like you and I put in, like to know that all of this is going in the right direction and we're making at least the impact that we can make. Um, I, I think it helps give you that extra shot of energy when you need it at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a lot easier to to put in the work when you really believe in what you're doing and, you know, you you believe in the product. And it's not like the, the big Zig Ziglar thing when he was out selling aluminum pans as he like really believed they worked. 
you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, really makes it easy to, to put the work in and, and tell the story. Um, you know, I think it's just about putting it in the context of these, uh, these big conversations about climate tech and that, you know, yeah, we're not reversing climate change, but we are climate change first responders. I do wonder if we should talk more about the product itself. I, the, uh, the technology, I just, I think it's, I mean, when I was watching the video, I was like, this is super cool. Like this compared to the old way, it's so interesting to me how you're combining not only like robotics, but also AI to do it all. I'm, do you, when you're doing demos, do you have people who are just looking at it like, is this even possible? I mean, are there people who are like, no, this can't possibly work or like, I, I, I think would think there would be but... a response that people gave our founders a few years ago. Uh, I think in terms of like a marketing channel that's super effective, I think just seeing bee homes in the fields of their neighbors throughout yeah. the growing regions of our country is really powerful. I mean, what a billboard to see to see a giant beekeeping robot out in the fields. Uh, I love that. I love I love it when people tell me that they've seen seen bee homes out in the fields. Um, and you know, yeah, I think they they also um, I, I want to make sure that that people understand that. You know, other companies have technology enabled uh, be beehive solutions, um, but you know having data is is never sufficient. And again, I think people who have been in in big data or or AI related fields or made those kinds of investments understand that it's a little bit garbage in, garbage out, right? If you have a lot of unstructured data, or you don't mm -hmm. really know exactly what to do with it, what the use case is, um, you know, just sending a beekeeper or a grower a tremendous amount of data that either isn't um, contextualized and, you know, we, we don't just have AI recommendations they are backed up by our beekeepers and our beekeepers are, are looking at this data and working with beekeepers and working with growers to make sense of what, what this means and what they should do. And then also, you know, imagine getting all this information that's in real time that needs to be acted on now, but, you know, you just can't afford to get out to that field where that remote, um, you know, site where that bee home is or that other, excuse me, traditional bee boxes. Uh, you know, what you can't make the kinds of interventions that are, are going to move the needle. Um, so being able to act remotely and to, to you know, we don't, we've focused on, on automating uh, beekeeping treatment that's the most labor intensive for beekeepers and happens the most. We don't do absolutely everything. We've tried to really 80-20 it to be the important, really labor intensive stuff. Um, so to be able to do that and like how that adds up in terms of um, you know, appropriate treatment and, and labor savings. Uh, you know, I, I think that's really important to understand that the, the sort of compounding difference you get there. That's cool.